We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company, uh, coming at you late Friday night, April 22nd, and the Wolves are down 0-3 after losing to Denver on Friday night. I'm joined by Kyle Tige from Score North. Kyle, uh, obviously a, a frustrating place to be for the team, for the fan base, because the way I think about it is this is, you know, this is the place you made the Gobert trade so as to not be right i mean teams that get swept in the first round historically are kind of you know young teams happy to be there or teams that are going nowhere right like memphis a couple years back like the first jaw year um or like teams that are going nowhere i think about that like blake griffin team in detroit uh a couple years back and it's, it's just frustrating because now sunday game four feels kind of irrelevant um honestly for me it, it's just kind of frustrating because this the season isn't over and it already feels like it's not about basketball anymore in a way it, it's what i'd like to be talking about to you right now is uh, you know adjustments uh, what's working what isn't working you know but now it just kind of feels like the whole conversation on this team is just how screwed are they big picture and other than that mrs lincoln how was the play <laughs> i know it's just I, i'm not trying to be you know total doomsday here but but I don't know how, how do you how do you leave that game or how do you leave where the wolves are right now I mean what what where are you at what where is your where is your frustration in terms of where this wolves team is right now where am I at it's 1 30 a.m and I'm sitting on a computer chair on top of a mattress in your office that's where I am uh no uh there's at, I'm there's I'm the sh- most positive voice in Wolves well, media on to talk about like the lowest point of the season I think I I actually look at all of this not as like there's no way to spin this even in the best of spin zones but I still look at this as CJ McCollum had some really cool stuff when when the Pelicans got eliminated they didn't make the play the playoffs obviously and he talked about why he played hurt because the, you, the game doesn't like you don't get to play this game forever <laughs> You don't like that every game matters and the wolves are probably going to get swept. And if they don't, they're going to lose in five. Um, and we're less, what we're 10 months, nine months away from 
quite possibly the biggest trade the team has ever made in 34 years. Uh, and you're not, like you said, you're not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to be down 3-0. You're not supposed to be an eight seed that had to battle through two play-in games. Um, so the experience, I mean, I, what, I, what I'm kind of trying to get to here is that I still think I've learned a lot during these first 82 games, the two play-in games, now these three playoff games of like what works and what doesn't work. And we're just learning. And some people knew this right away. Some people knew this back in July. But the experiment just didn't work. <laughs> Right, like it's just it, it's not going to work. That doesn't mean you close down the lab. Doesn't mean you move the like. It just this experiment didn't work with two bigs. I'm sure we'll get into the spacing tonight. Was horrendous. The offense was horrendous. Uh, there was just so many things that after what 88, 80, what's 82, two, three, 87 games in, it doesn't even Carl being out 55 games or like it's just it hasn't gotten any better. It tonight's performance when you had two guys out there that are seven feet tall look just like it did in october look just like it did when we were in vegas for summer league like it or for uh preseason it's just it doesn't work and that's the downside I mean, that's just that sucks because you put a bunch of assets and resources and draft capital and valuable players into an experiment that doesn't work so i'll throw it back to you but i will also say too on the flip side of it i saw i haven't been able to go to many games this season but I saw a kid tonight that just has something in him that a lot of guys just don't have in him. And that, I mean, again, I, I, if you're hopeless or you like are more down on this team than ever before, who am I to tell you not to feel that way? Because that's how you should feel. It's going to be a long offseason again. It's going to be a long offseason. And I don't even know who's going to be calling the shots. <laughs> but I saw a guy tonight that is 21 years old. He's not the smartest player on the court by any means. But he thought that he could literally will a franchise with 34 years of baggage. He could do it by himself. And that led to some bad turnovers, but also led to 15 free throws. Uh, and I've learned now, after 10 playoff games or whatever it's been in Anthony Edwards' career, that he is the glimmer of hope. I've Dane, we followed this team for years before this kid got here when there was no hope. Uh, it's tough right now, and they're buried. But... That chase down block that he had, uh, the stats of putting up, you know, 35 points in back-to-back playoff games. The only other person that's ever done that is LeBron at that age. Um, being in the air of Kobe and LeBron for the most 35-point playoff games. Uh, he's special. But I don't know. I, was, I watched Spider-Man two days ago. It's the only reason this comes up. But, like, there's a whole thing about, like, with great power comes great responsibility. They have some great power. This fucking franchise has great responsibility now to not mess it up because the last time they had great power like that was Kevin Garnett. And they butchered his whole career and saw him take off down the road on another team. They have another chance. You don't normally get a second chance like this with a kid like this. Everything, don't even worry about Sunday. Everything that wakes up on Saturday morning, everything that moves forward has to be to put this kid in the best position to win because tonight he looked fearless. And I thought that was really cool because he was going up against a team that's way bigger than he is, plays way better basketball, way better coached, way better roster construction, way better front office. And he tried to take him on all by himself. Uh, he got close a couple of times. There was three point game, but at the end, it just, he didn't have enough around him. He didn't have the right pieces around him. Isn't uh, you were doing your, your post game radio stuff. Uh, I was in the locker room afterwards and, 
you know, the the word with Ant always is kind of the effervescent, right? He's always, he's kind of always up there. And, you know, I just saw a kid who was just, and understandably, just really frustrated. And he just, normally when he's, he's sitting in the locker room, right, he's kind of like turned out to the, the center yeah. of the group, which is where the media is gathered or where his teammates are. And, you know, he's, he's talking and stuff. And he was turned around facing his locker and, you know, just doing like the aggressive head rub of the forehead, just classic signs of like stressed or and and he just kind of stared into this mirror in his locker for like five minutes. I don't know what he was. I don't I would have not pay a lot for what those thoughts were. Um, and unfortunately, he then skipped media and <laughs> didn't talk to us. We got no Anthony Edwards thoughts after the game. Um, but, yeah, it, it, I, I think. They're in a more delicate spot with that than we might think. And I don't mean that at all to me. And, you know, Anthony Edwards is, you know, bouncing for sure or anything like that. But we're in this era of one where a, a player has a number one overall pick. You know, you get the max extension. He's never not accepted that before. And I'm not anticipating he doesn't. But what we have seen start to happen over the, the you know, the course of the player empowerment you know, era is that these guys can choose to leave eventually, even if and when they do sign that extension. And what we've kind of always said is, you know, you lock him up for that extension. So that's five more years on top of the four, his first four years on the rookie year deal. And, you know, you got Ant for a decade. And and I don't think you have Ant for a decade guaranteed. And that, no, that that's no, the that's the, the responsibility, responsibility part. Yeah. And. You know, it's it's the first time I've really ever, as I was staring at him, stare at himself, wonder, you know, what's going through his head? And and when he looks at this logically, whether not necessarily the summer, but sometime down the line, or even just the summer, it's like, this is the roster that this organization has put together. They're the two centers are under contract for, you know, five more years after this and four more years or something like that, three more years. And the reality is it, the roster itself will largely be the same. And if you are Anthony Edwards, it's, I mean, the first question is you ask yourself, you know, how do I make this work with the, with the roster and group that, that I do have? And I think he will, you know, continue to do that. but. It would only be natural, particularly right now when you're down 3-0 in, in the playoffs, to to question that of of where where this can go. And I thought that's just a really was a for me, it was a tough backdrop to see given how special yeah, he, absolutely. he looked in that game and and what he did and what he's now for two games shown after kind of waiting around game one and game one and a half to to really assert himself. And it's like I don't know. I, I think he's just wondering, you know, how, how much how much can I do here, given the literal lack of space that I have to, you know, spread my wings uh, on this team. And it's it's a hard place. It's just a it's a hard place because this team in many ways doesn't feel like it is uh, going to change anytime soon. So we're just left with that kind of the overarching existential question of the Timberwolves season of like, all right. 
is this just bad because it's year one and the million different excuses there are that come with that and the injuries and all that stuff with that? Or is this a a true dark cloud that is not going to pass simply by there being more time for guys to acclimate and all these sort of things? I mean, I think I think Ant can't not be similarly faced with that existential question of, you know, what the hell do we do here with, with this team? If Carl never comes back from his injury, though, let's just let's throw hypotheticals around. It's almost two in the morning and they like get bounced in the plan or they don't even make the plan. Right. Because they just don't have enough gas and they you know finish 11th or whatever. I think it would have probably been an easier letdown or like, I mean, I mean this weekend would have been a lot more fun for sure because I wouldn't have had to fly back here for this game. But like it would have just been like easier to make excuses and just be like, well, we never had Carl back and blah, blah, blah and all this stuff. I, I do think, and this is just because I am such a sick human, that all of this stuff is like actually made it easier from a fan perspective, but harder from a front office perspective. Like it's just not working. Like, you I mean, it wasn't, it's not like just this is a bad, I mean, by the way, like, I don't know how many minutes we're into this. The Denver Nuggets are pretty good. <laughs> True. Uh, like that's a, that's a team that even with Jaden and Nas and, you know, Phil Jackson is their coach and Carl's actually a two guard. Like it does, they're probably still losing to the Nuggets. That's a really good team that has the thing that Minnesota teams, or Minnesota Timberwolves teams have just never had. And that's continuity. We were talking right before we left the media room, like, I didn't know Mike Malone has been the coach for like a decade. Mike Malone's been in Denver longer than Nicole Jokic. Like that, that's just like, that's not nothing. <laughs> right. Um, and that's kind of some of the times the things I think about when it's just like, you know, a bad season happens, you want to fire everyone, get rid of everyone. It's like, well, sometimes if you can gel and have that continuity, that actually matters. So everything you said is right. I don't want this to be like a, everyone wakes up on Saturday or Sunday. It's like, Oh, it's all fine. Cause we have ant as dumb as it is. Like the Spider-Man quote is, is real. Like, there's a lot of teams that look at all the teams right now in the playoffs, the 16 teams. I think there's two teams that have a player under 25. That's like an, a superstar. That's the Grizzlies and the Wolves jaw and ant every other team in the playoff Tatum's 25, yeah. but it's a 25, right? So under 25, I always make stats that work for my brain, but every other team just has players that their best player is older and more mature. And they've been able to build it. I mean, I, I, was, I get into this with my dad all the time because he he's kind of like hopeless on the wolves and he's probably right. But like, I always think about how the Sixers just messed up one after another of like the Fultz thing or the Simmons thing or stuff. And like, they, I don't think they worried about the mistakes they made or the strikeouts they had. They just kept swinging, <laughs> right? To finally find that piece to put around and beat. Yeah. Um, and again, I know this is now spinning into offseason talk, and maybe we should talk about the game a little bit, but I'm with you because I like listening to you and Britt and all these other people talk about real adjustments. And this has been, you, you can say glass half full, glass half empty. Like this has been just a worthless playoff series. But being there tonight for game three, I wasn't with you on games one and two. Like it wasn't worthless for me because I again saw a guy who, who even though they lost game two, I thought he was the best player on the court. Uh, and tonight, the Nuggets got contributions up and down their roster from one to eight, one to nine. What a beautiful roster that they have built. Some of that was Tim. Some of that's Kelvin Booth. But I saw a guy tonight that was like fearless about the moment. And that sounds sappy and pie in the sky, but it's like you just don't get those guys. I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is long story short. 
think it's harder to find Ant than it is to find the rest of the stuff. The Wolves have clearly butchered the rest of the stuff <laughs> in the last nine months. Um, but they still have players. And in the NBA, there's really only two types of assets, and it's players or picks. And you have a bunch of players, you just don't have the picks. Uh, but what I've learned this series through three games, I mean, it's, I feel like it's a funeral already, but they're, they're going to play on Sunday, I think, maybe, who knows. Uh, they just don't have the right players. They don't have the right players around that guy. I mean, I was joking with Phil Mackey on Flagrant Howls about like finding a running mate for, for Ant. Obviously, Jaden's out. I went and checked out that wall, by the way. Like, it totally, you can tell there's a brick wall behind the curtain. Um, but, like, the Wolves literally didn't have a player tonight that could run with Anthony Edwards. Not even, like, that's an analogy. It's, like, it was Rudy, Carl, Kyle, Mike Conley. Like, it's, like, they need another guy that can, is fearless, that can run with him. Uh, and they don't have that right now, and it's going to be really hard to do. None of what I'm saying is optimistic. It's, like, they have this guy, but it, the what they did in July is going to make this so much tougher. But I also think you just have to like pride aside. I the, I can't imagine if we're still doing podcasts in October if we're like the wolves are running it back. <laughs> yeah, well, th- that's see, I think that's like that's the issue here is is this I I don't know if you just think it like in a really basic way or like hyper logical you're like okay you know we're invested in these assets we need to we need to continue to let them go and we need to see more of cat and rudy together and we have to see finch with more time there to be able to you know show what he can what he could do with the roster that's at full strength but then i'd be lying if i said i believe in that like that i that i believe that that is going to ultimately work I just, I just don't think it is. I, and I could be wrong. I mean, that's not like a hundred. It's not black and white. But, but at some point, time is of the essence here. And I guess that was my, yeah, the, yeah, the, the point of my, my whole thing of bringing up Ant and even bringing up the extension and everything is it's like, you need to, you need to look at this critically in the off season, which is just about almost here and, and be like, can we afford any time further going down a path that ultimately doesn't end, you know? Right. right. And, and, and I think, I, 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 I think Chris Finch is a good coach. I think Rudy Gobert is actually a good player. I think Carl Anthony Towns is a good player. What do I have to go off of that suggests that those three in tandem with Ant as the fourth, who is the tent pole, will work. And and I just it just feels like there's going to be so much as we get to the offseason of like talking about why it can work, right? And and really like from the front office, like looking at a glass half full and and tapping into those, you know, somewhat reasonable excuses that they do have. But what about the other side of the coin? Like, I just think it's so critical that just as much analysis and thought and planning about how it could work needs to be applied to how it might not. And, and from there, despite Finch being a good coach and the the bigs being good players, you just have to ask yourself, is this really going to work at some point or are we spinning a ball of yarn that just is going to lead us back to the feeling we have right now today? 
the strong assumption we have that this that this isn't going to work and and I don't want to be overly reactive to you know a, a couple games here and there there are those excuses but objectively I think it's it that is a reasonable thought process and I I want to talk about Tim Conley a little bit later but I mean if magically a new president of basketball operations came in here anyone else do they not apply that more negative side of the the cup being more empty than it is full and immediately make changes i i don't know how if, if you if you were another gm and you came in here how your thought process would be yes no there was some times here when it worked with the double bigs and we think we're going to be able to tap into that identity more often. I think a neutral mind would come in and say, this is significantly less likely to work than it is to work. And thus we need to make changes now. I think the double big thing to me and what you're kind of saying, I've been working on this for a while. It kind of reminds me of splitting tens and blackjack (laughs) where it's like, if you're really on a heater, and you're like seven scotches down. You're like, I'm gonna, I just, I'm gonna split these tens, and I could get two more tens. I could get eight. You know what I mean? I could, I could get two winning hands. It's like, or you could just realize that it's just like, like just take what you got, right? Like, and to me, I know this analogy sucks, right? But it's like the two tens you have is just ant. But like trying to split them and like, oh, maybe if we get Carl and Rudy a little more time or the off season and all this stuff, it's just like, to your point of. I actually think that these last two weeks, these three weeks, as frustrating as roller coasters have been, and this has been the ups and downs of this roller coaster, I've learned something that we all thought and some really smart basketball people thought last July, and I've come around to it, and I'm not being denying anymore. Like, it just doesn't work. And the only thing that can really compound all of this is if you just lean into it. <laughs> like, I just, I... The only thing that can make it worse. Yeah, it's like, how, how does, how does, lean, how does... How does all those smart people that are in that front office that I deem the Avengers, like, how do you look at this and just say, other than pride or ego and say, it just needs more time? I, I have no idea. Me neither. Let's, uh, let's grab our first break. Today's show is brought to you by Land and Lore. And the people at Land and Lore wanted me to tell you that they get tired, super tired. Tired of always looking like... But life hits hard. They're dads with kids that don't sleep and with wives that are constantly mad at them for things they didn't realize they did. Plus, maybe they stayed up all night rewatching last year's playing game versus the Clippers because it's thus far the highlight of their adult lives. But what's worse than feeling like is looking like it, because when you look like everyone can see it and no matter how much coffee or Celsius they inhale, they still walk into work looking like cave dwellers. That's why Land and Lore, they created the energy drink for your face. So no matter how you feel, you don't have to look like it. What's even better, because they love the Timberwolves, is they're giving fans 20% off the brand. Just go to Amazon.com and search for Land and Lore Face Products and use promo code 20AntMan to get 20% off. Land and Lore, proven to help you look awake no matter how long of a bender you've been on. All right, we're back with Kyle Tiggy. Kyle, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more about this game specifically, which ties into the big picture as well, which I, I think is we're now at the point where <laughs> as much as I like to hyper-focus on a game or a week or whatever, um, what is happening in this series and what, I guess more importantly, what isn't happening in this series is 
uh, an indictment of the roster, I think, as, as much as it is anything. And um, and, it, and it, it make it's not just a one game. This didn't work type of thing. It's like a can it work? Do, do we believe in it in it working going forward? And, and I think specifically to this game, I just watch a team that its offense doesn't work because there's no spacing. And and yes, situationally, like they do find spacing. They did in the third quarter of game two. And that was great. And and you believe in it for, you know, the the time being. They even believe it in going into the fourth quarter. And you're like, all right, this team does have as much talent as Denver does. Maybe they even have more talent than Denver does. But they run into the wall of themselves. And I thought that was quite literally apparent when you watched the Wolves play offense tonight and Denver continuing and continuing to load up more and more on Anthony Edwards and say, quite frankly, just agree with everything you said in the first 20 minutes of the podcast is like, yeah, this is pretty much all they got. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and that man, is that an indictment and, and that you just can't, that they don't have a safety valve that they can pull. That is something other than Ant which obviously you would like to be Carl. You would like to be pick and roll with, with Rudy and Mike or some sort of sixth man off the bat. They've, it's just felt like this whole series, that third quarter of game two withstanding that they don't have another lever they can pull other than Ant go be a superhero. I mean, when, when you were watching this, what, what did you just think of the offense overall? It wasn't as like pathetic of a per possession scoring rate. They got to the line a ton. That was good, but just watching them play offense in the half court, it just it looked like pulling teeth to me. Part of this is because you and I showed up so damn early because we like my body thought it like a seven o'clock tip. Let me show up at five. It's like actually the game's at eight thirty. You're gonna be here for all day. That was one of the weirdest basketball games I've ever been to, and you and I've been to a lot of them. Uh, I don't know if we'll get into this later, so I want to say it now. I thought the fans actually were awesome uh i thought the priest like the pregame they were loud i didn't see open seats they were up like i think 10 10 5 or 10 8 like the fans were ready they just after about six minutes in the game didn't have anything to cheer for yeah uh and it's a smart fan base and they know that they're not just going to cheer for nothing um but on top of that like you said the wolves outshot the nuggets they had 22 more free throws they got to line 35 times they also had less turnovers they had more fast break points right up until the end, like with two minutes left. They had more points in the paint. They basically kind of won all these different categories statistically on offensively. And it never felt like they were in the game whatsoever. I mean, it, it got to three a couple times, but it just, it did. It kind of felt like when your bigger brother just puts his hand on your head and you're swinging at him, but you can't hit him because your arms are too small. The Nuggets were never concerned about the Wolves and the Wolves never really had a chance, even though throughout most of the game, it was a single digit game. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the free throw thing. It's like, it, you couldn't even complain about the refs tonight, even though I thought they were bad again, but just in weird ways, they shot 22 more free throws. But then like you and I were talking on the walk over here, like, I also don't know if all those free throws were good for the offense as yeah. stupid as that sounds, but it's like, it made everything. There was just no flow whatsoever to what they were doing. And then I'm a, I'm trying to defy, like, I am a Finch guy. I, I do think he's a good coach, but it's like, if you're going to say that we've seen enough sample size now that this this too big thing is not going to work, I mean, it's just how many times have we seen in this last month, two months, six months, where it's like the offense just goes dry. 
for five, six minutes. And not only do they not get points, like the right people don't even touch the ball. They came out, I think, of the halftime. And Nikhil Alexander shot, I think, the first two shots. Like that can't be what you're doing or drawing up, right? Like there's just Rudy's taking a fadeaway 14-footer. Nikhil's doing these push shots from the baseline. Kyle, who I think is just kind of, I said he's the best free agent signing in Wolves history, and I don't disagree with that, but I think he's been pretty bad this series. Uh, It was just up and down. I mean, Carl, I hate to say guys have empty calories or empty stats, but I saw he had 27 points, right? He was second on the team in scoring. I just didn't feel like, I don't want to bag on the guy, but I didn't feel like a, and did any of those points really feel like they really motivated the team or brought an energy or it was just kind of like, yeah, he had 27. (laughs) You know what I mean? Which is kind of like the 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 whole crux of Carl, right? Like it's he does more often than not put up numbers like that, and and I don't know if I have too much of games one and two like caught in my mind, but what what kind of stood out to me more about Carl's performance was the times when he drove to the basket, didn't get a foul call, fell to the ground, and the Nuggets went the other direction and hit a three, or swing swing a another open layup or something like that it's just yeah i mean like numbers wise box score wise you know carl has 27 what did i finish with 36 yeah like i mean that that's great (laughs) it it didn't it didn't feel like it it didn't feel like we talked about like the compounding earlier it doesn't feel like even the things that work with this team when they work they compound in a positive way, right? And and I don't know what that exactly that is. I, I don't I honestly don't know what to ascribe that to. Like, is that you know, is that just Carl's style of play, right? Is that just who he is? Or is or is Ant just like kind of the overly ball dominant guy, even when he's great, where it doesn't really, you know, fan the flames of the, the other players on the team? Is it Finch who you know, allows for those power outages we talk about all the time to happen. I, I don't, I don't know. I just come back to, while acknowledging Denver's a good team, I just look at this Wolves team and even at the times when it's working, find it hard to believe it. And, and even maybe some, I think what I get really stuck on is that we've seen like some great quarters this year. We've even seen some great halves. I can't think of that many like games where I'm like four quarters of like this really worked, let alone a a week, you know, uh, that that California road trip, like Nas week, as I've called it. Like, (laughs) I mean, that kind of but there was like no time this season. And granted, the injuries and things got broken up. There's been 16 different identities of this team or whatever. But like, I wish I wish there was a month in there. Where and they wouldn't have even needed to be like twelve and two. But aren't you doing the aren't you doing the splitting tens analogy that was so piss poor on me anyway? It's like yeah, there there was there there was nothing to hang your hat on, right? Like I mean, if you were going to hang your hat on, or you know, when when the DVD comes out this summer of of the twenty twenty two twenty three Timberwolves, it's Ant making a third year leap, being an all star, showing more chops on as a two way player. And it's Jaden being all defensive, play, right? What's like third? I mean, I guess Kyle Anderson and how great he's been, but like, it's just there. No, they're... third is that Rudy Gobert is nowhere near the player he was in Utah, 
And Carl Anthony Towns playing next to that player seems to be neutered compared to what he was before. I don't even know where this go fits into the puzzle right now, but I was, as you said, box score. Carl took as many three-point attempts tonight as Jeff Green did. And I felt like Carl, and maybe this is just because it's late, but I felt like Carl turned down so many threes that should just be just let it rip, right? Like, I'm always like, if Carl Anthony doesn't finish with eight three-point attempts in a game that he plays 35 minutes, that's a felony. Uh, and then it would be Carl turning down a three to kind of drive and do what he did last year. They were so successful at, right? But the difference was last year, there wasn't the Eiffel Tower in the middle of the paint. I mean, there was twice tonight where I looked at you and if you could see Dane Moore's face when all of a sudden Carl drives, he is in the paint, Rudy's in the paint, and Kyle's in the paint. It's like, yo, that is that is some 1950s a lot of paint. Black and white YouTube videos of how basketball was played, and that's not how it should be played now. And it was just yeah, I mean, I mean, I look at Rudy too. Like I think Rudy at 18 and 10. I thought he had a solid game defending Jokic for the most part. He did fall out. Um I I think in the last six quarters, he's kind of given Jokic hell. Jokic is that good. Um but the Wolves have played 12 quarters now against the Nuggets. They have outscored them in one quarter. They've like tied in three and gotten like that. That that tells you that, I mean, I felt the, the felt the absence of Jade McDaniels tonight. He would have been someone that you can throw on Michael Porter Jr. and almost erase him as a human being. Nasri would have been good too. But I mean, this is just one roster that, as we started this all off, they know who their guy is. They know who their meal ticket is they know who their supernova is and every player on that roster fits him (laughs) but here's here's my biggest frustration with the series is even when they don't have their meal ticket on the floor they're still eating like oh that was good yeah that i I mean just during the regular season i i pulled this up during the game Jokic played 2323 minutes this season and the denver nuggets won those minutes by 640 points he was off the floor for 1,628 minutes, and they lost those minutes by 367. It is the most obvious weak point of, of this team is when Jokic isn't off the floor, you make hay on them. And the Wolves have not done that in a single game. Game one, plus 15 with Jokic on, plus 14 with Jokic off. Game two, plus six with Jokic on, plus three with Jokic off. And then game three tonight, plus four with Jokic on, plus three with Jokic off. I mean, it's it's Jeff Green is the backup center. Like that that can't work. That 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 can't work. Particularly when you are a team who is literally invested in your identity of being able to beat people up. They are shamelessly going small against them. And almost playing better, specifically against Carl. It's like we always used to talk about the Batum, right? Like yeah. guard guard yeah. cat with Batum, you know, a six nine kind of rangy long guy, and try and fluster him and then bring the double once Carl starts getting any sort of momentum. Like they don't even need to bring the double in this. It's just like it's just kind of like Jeff Green's got him. Or Aaron Gordon too in that first half. Like he just yeah. got away with a little bit, but it's just like we're just gonna put Aaron Gordon on him like single and that's it there's no nothing else yeah, to worry about. They, they changed their the whole strategy that has been the strategy against the Wolves 
of you know trying to take Carl away, they're like, ah, no, as long as it's not Ant, you yeah. know. And and I think that's part of the reason Carl had twenty seven, and he did have twenty seven, right? And it's not that he didn't have success against Jeff Green. It's not that he didn't have success against Aaron Gordon at times. It's that collectively as a team, the Wolves did not and have not had any success uh, against against those lineups. When Jokic is off the floor, I mean, yes, Porter Jr. is playing well in this series. Yes, Murray's playing well in this series. But if you if you can't take advantage of that, I mean, that that's exasperating. I asked I asked both Finch, you know, and and Rudy about that. And like, I you're not gonna pick this up on the sound, but both of their looks were just like exasperated of like, yeah, we expected to dominate those minutes. So here's Finch when I asked him. Stern the regular season to an opportunity to take advantage of Denver was in the non-Jokic minutes. Why, why has it been hard to, to generate offense or, or make a point differential in your favor in this series when Jokic has been off the floor? Yeah, I mean, some of it has to do with their switching, you know, and our inability to solve that on a consistent basis. Um, some of it has to do, you know, to, to the point earlier, you know, we're letting, we're letting some of these guys uh, hurt us off the bench, get to some kind of, uh, of their you know, strengths, you know, right hand drive, letting right hand drivers go right, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so it's, it's uh, you know, and then, um, you know, our bench has got to kind of contribute a little bit more because oftentimes those are the minutes that match up, you know, if you only, only run with your starters so much. So I think that that's part of it, Kyle, is right, like you just can't be losing the bench minutes to them. And the Wolves bench has not been good here. And they have some, they have some legitimate excuses there, of course. No Jade, no Nas. That's, I mean, what did the Wolves finish with bench points? What was it, 10? Yeah, I mean, that's like the one thing that you can say is a real honest excuse is that as good as the fans were tonight, there was a collective groan when at the scorer's table, it was not only one, but both of Austin Rivers and Jalen Noel were checking in. Those guys have contributed at various times throughout the early part of the season. But the fact that the Wolves were like trying to not only tread water, but try to get back in the game, and that's who you threw out there, uh, that's where it was like, oh shit, like no Jaden, no Nas. This would have been cool, but that's what Finch had to do. And they, again, they just kind of gave him nothing. I, I asked Rudy about it too. And he, Finch went like hyper specific to the game and the game plan. I do think the switching point is, is interesting. That's why the green and Gordon thing has kind of worked there. Like the Wolves haven't been able to punish that with any sort of like screen game, pick and roll, off ball, whatever. Denver's like, we'll guard whoever, you know, we'll, we'll switch it, make it happen. We're not really. We're not really worried about Cat if Jeff Green's guarding him or if Aaron Gordon is guarding him, right? And that hasn't been something they've been able to take take advantage of. But I asked Rudy the same thing, and and, and he went bigger picture with that. I thought this was interesting. Throughout this series, uh, they've won the minutes with Jokic is uh, off the floor. What, what's the why has that been? Why haven't you guys been able to really string anything together there? Uh, man, I don't know. Or what's the key? Or what's the key to being able to... I think the key for us is just to be consistent and building habits. We haven't done that. So, you know, it doesn't... It's not really about who's on court. We got a... Obviously, Jokic is a really good player. He's always a a tough tough matchup for anybody in this league. But I think it's about us being ourselves. And regardless of who's on the floor, like, we got to run back. We got to... You know, take care of the ball, execute offensively. Uh, all those little things, you know, that uh, the really good team do consistently, uh, regardless of who's on the court. So, Kyle, what 
what is the, that was a common theme, like the little things, not having built the habits over the, the course of the year. Like, to what degree is it a fair excuse of how kind of broken up this team has been with injuries and the trade that they haven't built habits, right? And they haven't been able to, to do the small things. I, I'm not saying those things didn't get in the way of, of being able to build those habits, but I, I think at, at some point you have to question to what degree they, they're going to build better habits next year, right? If they do quote unquote, run it back, they are going to do more of the little things, but is it hard to believe in the idea that, that they're going to be able to do that consistently, even, you know, even once they do have a full training camp, you know, in their pocket and if they do have more players back, I mean, what should be the our level of belief that this team does figure out those those little things? Are are we overreacting? It does it does it change if you just boost that by fifteen percent next year, habits wise, little things wise? I mean, does that make that big of a difference? I don't know why I'm so focused on this, but when you not only when Rudy was saying it in the locker room, but the way you just said it now, when I think of the little things. Like the little, I just think of, and maybe this is, I'm taking it too specifically or too exact. I just think of like the little things that you don't necessarily see on a box score. Uh, like the winning plays that aren't, you know, highlights in a sense. And I think the two guys that do a lot of that are Jaden and Nas. Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, so I'm not trying to like whitewash this by all saying like it's it's totally fine or, you know, it's every everything's a big excuse and just run it back and all that stuff. It's just... Those are two guys that when I think of when they play, it's like they have hands in passing lanes or they just like Nas Reed literally spends 40% of his time on the ground trying to get loose balls or just falling down. Or whatever. He, they just do the little things. And I, I just think that to not have those guys, it puts an extra emphasis on. I mean, I, I, when you look at the box score again tonight, all the kind of the vets were bad. <laughs> Kyle, TP. Uh, Austin Rivers, even Mike Conley. I mean, they just like, you just don't get the little things from guys like that. And that's why I've been standing for Josh Minot or I, even Nikhil. Like, Nikhil is such so far from a perfect player, but I think he gives you the little things. I think he gets into guys on defense. I think he gives brings an energy. So, to your larger point, I don't know, as pro Finch as I am, like, if you're not building those habits, and back to your point, like, they didn't have a, a a pay period during a given month where they could just play like they did against OKC for six games. Yeah. Um, some of that, I mean, I don't know how else you do it. Even if Chris Finch was my father, like how some of that, this is like, it's got to fall back on the coaching staff that you're now Carl missed the 55 games, but a lot of these other guys have played what? That's, 65 yeah, that's worth of 70. <laughs> like, see, that's what I'm stuck on is like, even when I'm trying to see it that way, and believe in that idea is I'm like, still have played 87 games. Like, and Ant's played what, 83 of them? Right. Yeah. Like, what does his development of the little things look like? Right. You know, as well, and, and, and I, I'm with you on that. And again, I don't want to come off as I think Anthony Edwards is like a perfect player because I also think he got them back into the game. And I also think he then kind of lost it at the end because. And I think that's like almost what Rudy is saying. And he's like, well, I can't be mad at Ant because he's clearly our best player in this. But it's like, we can't have 
that stuff from Ant, the, the turnover slate. I mean, late game offense has been so bad all year. He, was he, he, he can't get off the ball. He doesn't like he doesn't see the extra pass. And again, he but but when I, I think we're going back and forth on this is like the coolest little thing of of Friday was it was Carl's turnover yet again that led to a fast break dunk and Ant did the little thing. And thank God the Wolves have no success and have no banners in the rafters because that's how high Ant jumped to block that shot. And that was a little thing. And that sparked a movement that, again, he's still, he's flawed. He doesn't know how to really handle double teams. He doesn't trust his teammates a lot. It still gets very ISO heavy. But again, that's just a microcosm of what I think Rudy is saying. But yeah, I, I do. I look at this up and down this roster sometimes. And it's like, I think Kyle Anderson is the greatest free agent signing in Wolves history because for most of the season, he was doing 42 of the little things. Yeah. And I think he said it tonight, right? I mean, I, after the game, we got to speak to him. Like, I thought this was one of Kyle Anderson's three or four worst games in a Timberwolves uniform. And if he's like your older, more mature Vando, who's basically instead of spreading out all the responsibilities to all the kids, it's just like, dad's going to do it all. Well, if dad just doesn't show up one night, like he didn't tonight, no one does the little things. Kyle, you know who I feel worst for? The fans. Uh, Dude. I, I, I just, I, I do, uh, you know, in, in ways it's been a, a, a difficult team to cover. I think it's probably uh, more difficult for the fans to, you know, to really it, invest in and take the, it's 80, 87 games, 87 games, two and a half, three hours a game. You know, if you're watching most of them, you know, it's a lot of time and effort and, and energy and, um, this, this is all going to be my way of <laughs> plugging falling knife, but I, 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 I actually, I actually think about like people like that, like that's a, a bar that invested in this team, like quite literally, and you know, and, and wants to, you know, and, and wants to be a part of this, and has created, you know, a, a Timberwolves uh, community. And I think it's so cool. Like, obviously, I wasn't able to be there, uh, you know, for some of the earlier games of the playoff series or the play-in, and you know, just the hundreds. Like literally the hundreds of fans that you know went to to follow life to to collectively be together and, and you know and watch this team, uh, I, I I feel for them in this and I I couldn't I can't with a straight face I think my friends at Falling Knife will understand this like I I, I can't sit here and be like whoa go watch Game Four <laughs> like get get wild you know for. To watch the maybe final Timberwolves game of the season, but it's a place that has alcohol, and <laughs> uh, I, I really, uh, I, I, I think it's either the best place to be or the worst place to be uh, for for uh, Game Four on on Sunday. But I do, I do, I always say this with you. You know, I I, I hold value uh, in this community. I think it's, I think it is, it is unique, and and Sunday might be a unique spot in time with this franchise uh, and where this season, you know, might end. And um, in ways it makes sense to do that with, it makes sense to do that. Like, as I always say, like in the dark, in the basement, while you're watching by yourself, like that, that's one option. Going to target center is another option. I don't love either of those options. Falling knife is a third option that I think would, uh, would, uh, <laughs> You know, at least have some comedic uh, effect as you're as you're there with uh, with other Wolves fans. I, I think it's sweet what Falling Knife has has built this season, and um, you know, go have some beer at Falling Knife, watch Game Four uh, in their tap room, 
they're dedicated to this team. And I know, obviously, if you listen to this podcast, uh, so are you. So check out Falling Knife. <laughs> Just run up a tab. Just yeah. tell them Kyle sent you, and I'll pay them back next time I'm there. <laughs> but no, it, it has been that, that I mean... We have now just segue. We might as well start talking about Nate Knight and Luca Garza too, since this is all over the place. But that has been one of the coolest things for me. Yeah. You and I kind of got into this covering this team the same time, became really good friends. We have a lot of planned for this offseason. We have a lot planned for next season because this is where I come in. But like I, I still do find real true the the dude Dane, when I quit feeling optimistic about this team. Like, I'm just done. <laughs> like, this isn't a full-time job for me. This is things I do on the side. Like, when I actually think that the candle has burned out, like, I will just, I have just the lowest level of self-respect for myself that I'll pull the plug. Um, but I think seeing this community, doing the live thing with you and Britt the other night at Falling Knife, and just seeing, like, again tonight, I think a lot of the people that pack Target Center that chose that over the Twins or that over the Wild or that are just, doing normal things that aren't shitty, like watching the Wolves, uh, probably knew what the fate of this team was. But I also think, too, and maybe it's the ant factor, being box office at 21, uh, they just, it's a really, really cool, as someone who was born three miles from the border, like, I think Minnesota's a sweet-ass basketball state. And I just think that if anyone, if no one else listening to this other than my dear friend Tim Connolly and all of his, like, if if you can build something, this is the easiest ticket to sell. It's the easiest product to market because these fans get it. They've put up with, as I always joke about, Luke Ridnour starting at the two guard for 82 games. Like, uh, and and Falling Knife plays a big part in all of that because it's a cool community and they they want you to come there and drink their beer and just cry and give Dan a hug and it's it's all gonna be okay. Uh, we'll take a quick break here. I, I do want to uh, I do want to let's let's talk about Tim Connolly. Uh, after the break, because uh, it all got us started and uh, feels like it's ending with uh, that the move that that he made here. So we'll take a quick break. Uh, we'll be back with Kyle for a final segment. Today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app, and Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. I feel like I'm stressed every time I'm wanting to buy tickets to a Twins game or a concert in town, and I'm stressed because I don't know if I'm getting a good deal or not. And with the Game Time app, I feel confident even if it's last minute that I've purchased my tickets at a fair rate, and that's because of their best price guarantee. So if you're looking for tickets to one of these final Wolves home games, check out the Game Time app. You'll get images of your seats when you buy, so you know what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're good. And tickets are sent directly to your phone, so no need to dig through your emails. So snag tickets without stress with the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code DaneMore. For $20 off your first purchase, terms apply. Again, create an account and use the code DaneMore, all one word, for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we're back with Kyle Teige. Uh, final segment here. Kyle, I I meant to, you know, touch on this with Britt after after game two because uh the news of the the Washington job uh becoming open uh officially became open when Tommy Shepard uh was was fired by the Wizards and Tim Conley's name bubbles up there. Uh it that is something I I heard about probably about four, six weeks ago. Uh somebody somebody brought it up to me like, you know, keep an eye on this. If, if Shepard gets fired there, you know, Tim's name is going to, Tim's name is going to come up in this and, and it's a possibility because that, you know, that's where he's from. And, and honestly, I, I texted you about it. So you could vouch for it. It's like, I was like, you know, this, it was like after the, I think it was after the Brooklyn loss, which was, it wasn't as bad as the Detroit loss, but it was like one of those times when you were, when things were feeling pretty like destitute with the wolves as they did, uh, after a handful of losses this season. No idea what that word means, Britt. But anyway, keep going. <laughs> um but I, I I honestly I I dismissed it in, in a lot of ways. Because I'm like, what? Come on. You know, Tim Connolly signed a five year deal for just so much money. Um, you know, that this isn't going to happen. And and then kind of in this past week, there were some more like rumblings of of that again. And then the shepherd uh, the shepherd firing happens and, and the job is made available. Tim Connolly is still under contract, which obviously complicates that in ways. As I understand it, he has like two years on his contract before he could even opt out if he wanted to. So it, even if he wanted to go to Washington, it would be like a hell of a process uh, for that to happen or for, you know, just the Timberwolves to sign off on. But there's there's real steam behind that from to the extent that I, uh, you know, can, can gather that. And man, is that a tough thing to hear when the wolves make the move that they did in July. And this is where they are in April. Um, I, I don't know, man. I, I, if that happens, like in some ways it's going to be like, LOL, classic wolves, but, I mean, that, that is kind of going to be some next level dysfunction if if that has to roll out, because. I mean, this team just can't keep things in a line for more than a year or two, I mean, and that was the idea with Tim or with the new ownership in general is like, OK, some fresh blood, some blood that's going to be in here for a while. 
And my God, if they have to hire a new president of basketball operations and remake a new plan, even if we think like a new plan is kind of necessary here with the roster, it's just that is gonna I that is just gonna be a, a, a tough story to to follow along. I don't know why I'm teeing you up for it. Here, <laughs> yeah, I don't know where you're sending me on this one. I will just say, as someone who, what, what were your thoughts? I guess, well, like, no, what I were your thoughts when you saw that 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 came through. My first thought was is that uh, I cover most of these games right from the comfort of my own couch on the West Coast. So today I'm at Target Center. We show up three and a half hours early because we're sickos. Um, but I know that sometimes there's been pushback on other things. Like today, I talked to a lot of people that I like kind of look up to <laughs> or like I'm like a fan of like I people are like oh that's so and so from the front office that's so and like so when you said that you kind of had heard about this weeks ago I I know some fans are like well why don't you report this stuff like what I learned today too and I've learned this before, I, I will let me just say I didn't say anything about it well one I didn't know it to like I didn't have it down cold I also didn't I quite frankly did not believe it well and also the wizards like, had a is, president <laughs> yeah I was like this, this is an unbelievable thing to even be presented to me and and the my thinking was no fucking way that is gonna happen and and i guess my to keep it short is like kind of being in this and dipping my toe into it once a month is that you learn that people that you listen to that do podcasts that cover the team stuff they actually have a rolodex of things that they might never be able to talk about or like you just talk to people and you know stuff so the fact that you knew about this a couple weeks ago was like that's just because you're good at your job uh you can't always talk about that stuff then the wizards make the move uh, talking to people tonight, they're like, that we're close to the Wizards. Like, just like I, that was kind of out of left field. They thought that he would have another year to kind of try to pick up the pieces with the roster. That's how the exit interviews like were kind of going to plan to go. Um, and then they pull the rug out from under everyone. And now they have, I think, right, the only vacancy in the league for a president of basketball operations. Uh, I don't really know how to feel about like, if you were dating someone for nine months and it was like a shitty relationship and they're like, maybe we should just see other people. I don't know how you'd be like, well, I don't know. It'd be great to make it work. I don't really know anyone that's listening to this. It's like, we got to make sure we don't lose Tim, even though to your broader point, losing Tim, if it happens, by the way, this is all kind of, yeah, we like to call reckless speculation over at the score North channel. Uh, if it happens, then you're right. Like it's just breeds levels of dysfunction it's like oh my god i thought getting new ownership glenn taylor kind of sold the team two years ago or whatever and it's like thank god like new owners here we go we're gonna be calm and then three months later their president of basketball operations was making out with someone at a loons game like right and then they like it's you're just not gonna get that with this franchise i don't ever think they might like ja rule might have cursed him but if you do lose him it does just open up like well what the hell <laughs> like i don't even know if i have a take that's how crazy no no I, I don't think it's a takeable i don't it's just, I, just, I but but i mean i guess i first of all if that man wants to go from trying to build around nicole Jokic to building around anthony edwards to building around kyle kuzma then maybe he'd better off just going and being closer <laughs> to crab cakes but who knows i mean i i do see things again i haven't pulled the plug yet but i do see things through wolves colored goggles and you know new ownership came in and they had one fun season the 21-22 Timberwolves were a lot of fun uh these people that were critical of them said yeah they had a lot of good things go their way <laughs> injuries health all that stuff schedule 
Um, I just don't think that team is lovable as it was. And Malik Beasley shimmying and Fando doing this. I just don't think that team was sustainable. I don't think that team makes a playoff run this year if Carl goes down. Like, I think they wanted to try to shake it up and build off it and parlay a year of success. But I also think a new ownership has learned the hard way in a short period of time that like, right. This is fucking hard. (laughs) Like you don't just get to skip second base. Like you don't just get to be like, Oh, we took the Grizzlies to six. Let's go to the Western conference finals and take our shoes off. That's not how this works. It's, it's kind of to the building habits and the, what Rudy was saying, you know, skipping steps, not doing the little things sort of, I mean, they didn't do yeah, the little yeah. things Woo! in terms of. That was really good. You really brought that. Yeah, I mean, seriously, and I guess this is my take on it. I think it would be yet another flashing light of Timberwolves fumble in the bag, dysfunction, hundred percent, all that. Though, if it is in fact true, what many people hypothesize that this could never work. This their current roster construction plan in a, in a meaning could never work in a meaningful way, as in you know be able to truly like contend even just contend for getting to the conference finals. Then Tim Conley leaving might be the best thing because I would be pretty shocked if Tim Conley and his front office make meaningful changes to the roster construction plan that they have. And if the roster construction plan needs to change, the person who will do that is somebody who's sitting on the outside right now who is looking at this and like, yeah, this isn't going to work. What are we going to do to make changes to this roster that would work? I I personally, as somebody who would, who would like to cover a team that has upside, am intrigued by the idea of someone coming in Rosa style and Look, having multiple visions, at least, right? Like, I, the way I think about it is I, I haven't completely given up on, on the idea of what they have, although I think it is significantly unlikely that it will work. And so let's find like you could kind of have a plan that is moving in that sort of direction, but with the understanding that it also probably won't work. So thus having some open mindedness to change, I think a new president of basketball operations again on the off chance that that happens because Connolly goes to Washington. I, part of me is intrigued. I'll just say that part of me is intrigued. Uh, not because I want to see people lose their jobs or anything like that, but I am intrigued by the Timberwolves building a roster in a way that looks like it could lead to continual success. I strongly believe that what they have put together right now, despite all the excuses that they have, does not look like it's moving in that direction. So I think that's the take, man. I think that's the take on the Conley situation is that it could be a good thing while also being a everyone's going to laugh at the Wolves for a while thing. Yeah, but I think I, I'm going to, for once, like just speak for the fan. Like, that just doesn't bug me anymore. Like, you, I know what I sign up for. Like, you know, it, it when being the laughing stock, being the punching bag, being the low hanging fruit is what makes it so much better when the wolves do win a random game and you can just fire off the tweets and the the receipts. Um, I I guess I don't have a take because I mean, just flat out, it almost seems too good to be true from a fan's perspective, right? Like, wait, 
this guy might want to leave after one year. Like he came in and he literally torched the place and now he wants to leave. Um, I just more, so I don't want to like get my hopes up now. Right. Like Santa Claus is real. And then it's like, Oh, it's just my dad putting presents under the tree. So it still seems like a long shot for him to go. I know there'd been some like weird reporting that maybe after the second year he had an opt out or whatever, or maybe he has like a clause in his contract now that allows him to go to the wizards whenever uh, I would imagine there's gotta be some sort of trade if he were to leave this summer and that involves getting some draft capital or whatever. Um, but it just kind of circles back to like, I don't know, man, how many times have the wolves been burned by someone or, you know, come here and they don't want to be a part of it or like Jimmy or, or just all the people like, no, they want like whatever that we don't need you. Like Anthony Edwards is here. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, I remember when Rosas was let go and I, I felt this way at the time. And I think it was actually just true, but you and I talked and we're like, Chris Finch at this point in time is the most important person in the franchise. And that might be a little like the, uh, would you rather like how many players would you rather have over Brad Stevens <laughs> type thing? <laughs> but like, I remember at the time it was like Chris Finch gave them a level of stability uh, and calmness and like maturity. And but now isn't that all robbed from him when the trade was made? Yeah. Y- yes. D- d- I just want to finish my point, but you make sure my whole thing is like, I think now, and we've learned in this playoff series, let's talk about the playoffs a little more. Like, I I feel very comfortable waking up on Saturday and saying that the most important person uh, in the Minnesota Timberwolves organization is Anthony Edwards. Yeah, and cool. like, and I don't I don't think we were saying that at Christmas. I, I just don't. I don't think we're saying that. Or maybe, maybe at Christmas. Maybe I, I, Thanksgiving. I think it's also huge that, like, Ant has looked awesome in these last two games, which are, like, kind of the first two games he's looked awesome in the way to, since Cat's been back. The way to spin this is that Anthony Edwards is the second youngest player to have back-to-back 35-point playoff games, and he does it with a broken fucking roster, a dysfunctional organization, and the two best running mates that are under 25 each are signing each other's casts. And he still did that. You know what I mean? Like, that's the hope. That's this pie in the sky thing is that that guy can kind of lift all boats in a fucking hurricane. Like, what if it was like the Caribbean? Like, what if it was nice waters for a little bit? What if you had stability or you had someone that had a clear vision that wasn't trying to put, you know, six skyscrapers in the paint? Like, that's what gives me hope is that if if Tim Connolly, who is the president of this team today and it's and tomorrow, if he decides that he wants to be closer to home, then you just either go big game hunting again or his ownership say, we've learned some things while we've been paying our layaway program. And maybe we want to get someone who's not as flashy, who's not as big name, right? Like maybe we want a guy who eats, sleeps and breathes Anthony Edwards and Jane McDowell's and has a vision, like you said, multiple visions, right? Um, because no one wants to hear this. But I think next year they have a small little window. And this sucks because it shouldn't have happened. I think next year, 2023, 2024, they have a small window to take a step back and that be a good thing. Mm. Because they have their pick in 24. You have all these players that are you can trade, right? Like, I'm not saying go full tank because I think that's also bad for Ant's development. But you have a window here now. This season was always going to be the worst season of the Gobert thing because it's the year with the most remaining years. It's the year with the most remaining picks. They're going to give up the 16th pick in the draft. We're not going to remember who that player is because it's probably not going to pan out. 
And then we can take a deep breath and be like, all right, now this next year, what can we do that makes these two kids be in the best spot to sail? I've been connecting to that. And this will be our last thing. Um, You know, reflecting on games one and two, you know, over, you know, this week and what Carl wasn't able to do in those games. And I found myself going down the like, what is Carl's career been? You know, I'm going back and I'm looking at what his numbers were in the Houston series. And I, you know, you got to click through a couple more years then to get to get to the next playoffs. And as you're clicking through that on basketball reference, you see some coaches names shuffling through there and executives names shuffling through there. And, and what I thought about a lot is we talk about the instability that, that Carl has had to play through and that, that hasn't helped him. That's part of the reason he is where he is and still being 27 years old and still needing to figure out some things before he's able to be, you know, a star player in the playoffs. But what I also thought about was this idea that the instability has led to this in ways, whether it be a coach or a new coach or a new GM, a a consistently, the consistency of the people in charge putting on rose-colored glasses as they connect to Carl. And I'm not sure if that's been a good thing, right? You've changed coaches, you've changed your style of play, you've changed GMs, you've changed the way you're going to construct these rosters around Carl. And I think if any one of those coaches, not saying they should have kept their jobs necessarily, or any of the GMs should have kept their jobs, what I think would have happened in time, had any of them lasted three, four years, was they would have adjusted their plan of what to put around Carl. And they would have more intimately known Carl and you know, his foibles and his strengths. And, and they would have continued to make these, these tweaks. And in a lot of ways, by not doing that, you, you know, then you bring in Tim Connolly and you bring in Chris Finch and you're like, okay, well, we have Carl Anthony Towns, best true shooting percentage ever, all these sort of things. And you just see the good parts of it. And you lose some of the necessary critical thinking that comes, that is, that is required to become a, a really good team. And I think had any coach, had a coach been here the whole time with Carl or a GM been here the whole time with Carl, they would have made roster moves and play style moves in accordance with that and, and, and change and change the plan rather than tweak the plan, right? Rather than having to rip it all up and be like, all right, Rosas it in. So is Saunders five out Trevion Graham bombs away, you know, like all, all these sort of things. And I say that to mean with Ant, like, we're getting to the point already, particularly when we start having these hypothetical conversations about a new president of basketball operations, or you know, a lot of the fan base really frustrated with Finch and wanting to you know fire him or whatever. And it's like if you do one of those things or both of those things, now Ant is getting down this cycle of instability, and and that matters because you need. You need to not start over every time with Ant. You need to tweak along the way and make and make changes along lines like that. Otherwise, you're going to get to the same place you are with Carl, which is looking back and just be like, I think we messed this up. And and that's why I just go back to like time is of the essence here, man. Figure it out and figure it out quick and commit to it, you know. 
I, I, I just, you just can't fumble the, the, this one with Ant. I don't know if that all made sense. No, no, no. And I, I, I was thinking about that over the week. I, I think the Timberwolves have been the most dysfunctional franchise, but they've been dysfunctional for all 34 years, right? I heard someone in the media room say today that like when the Lakers left Minnesota, however many years ago, they've like that was like I think it was like 35, 36 years ago, whatever. More than that. Okay, maybe it was maybe it was like closer 60? to 60 or maybe it was 50. It was Patrick Royce was saying this at dinner. Um, that the Lakers were in the finals like 25 times. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the Timberwolves have just been dysfunctional, in my opinion, opinion, for all 34 years. Even the golden age of Kevin Garnett, there was still so many dysfunctional moves and transactions. But just so if they've, they've just, if their, their brand is dysfunctional, only one guy really has ever rose above it, even amongst the dysfunction. That was Kevin Garnett, right? They have now made the playoffs in back to back years for the first time since Kevin Garnett. They've only made the playoffs three times in 19 years. Two of those now are with Ant and Jaden. Did it not work out for Wiggins because of the dysfunction? Maybe. He found a more structured, calming organization in Golden State and it all worked out for him. I think that's why me and some others latch on to Carl a little bit because he's been loyal amongst all the dysfunction. But Ant has grown up now in that same dysfunction. And he has just been able to rise above it. So everything you said is right. But Andrew wasn't able to lift all boats. He wasn't. Carl hasn't shown an ability to r- raise all boats, in my opinion. Ant, in his first three years, has taken the worst franchise in basketball to the playoffs twice. And they're going to yeah. bow out in the first round in both times. But if you want anything that's tangible, that's what I hang my hat on as I enter the offseason. <laughs> Again, we might, we might have a game four pod, but like that's what I think about long term is that this kid has shown a fearlessness and kind of a resiliency to if you could just give him stability, if you I mean he, the kid grew up his whole life with instability and chaos in his whole personal life. Like if you can give that guy a structured kind of plan, like the nuggets have given for Jokic where every move, every player, every person on that roster, okay. His brothers get to sit in the cool seats behind the bench. Like everything that happens in Denver is to benefit Jokic because he, Dude, he had an 18, 10, 10 triple double and then he didn't shoot a free throw. And he was getting mauled. Like Rudy Gobert falled out and Jokic didn't take a free throw. Think about that. That's kind of wild. <laughs> he, that's, Ant is a Jokic type guy that can raise a franchise from the pits. And I'm with you. It's not like, a, oh, thank God we got him. Like, talk to you in 2030. No, you have to make decisions and changes, whether it be at the ultimate top, who's running the show, who's coaching who's the trainer who's in mark like whatever like you have to make you have to figure that stuff out as soon as this season ends because ant seems like like i think this most underrated part of nicola is the culture he brings correct i i I really i mean obviously he's an incredible player but like there's something about the culture the basketball culture that that Jokic brings that allows you to kind of build linearly, right? And 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 he's stable, right? And I think Ant has that too, where it's like Jokic brings no individual problems. 
you know, in terms of like who he is as a leader. And I think Ant, in his own way, can really bring that too, in that he's a guy who has a, a very easy like personality to be around and be with in the team. And and I think if the Nuggets have the Jokic culture and that sent them where they are, then then I think I'd be so interested to see what the ant culture built, you know, and, and when, while we're, you know, sitting here and saying the season's over and we're talking about everyone getting fired and all this stuff, that's where my fascination with this team, like still remains is like, what could that be? Because I still think Anthony Edwards is his story in the NBA is going to be awesome. It's just going to be awesome. And I just, you know, I just want that uh, to be in Minnesota. And I guess to bring a full circle, when I was watching him look at himself in the mirror and not look at like himself, I'm like, that's the one thing. And, you know, you're going to lose, right? Like, and they're, yeah. they're going to lose. And, and, that, and it's okay that they lost in the first round of the playoffs. But you don't want Ant to lose his it. Um, and and you want you want that to you want that to be here. That is the thing to build around. And it's why the go it was, and I've said this a million times. I said it back in July. It's why the go bear trade. Even when I believed in it more, I said it was a bad idea because it bet on cat's window, and it bet against ants, because you use the assets that you could have used when Ant is twenty four years old to make, to put a team around him. And now you're just going to need to do that with less assets. You're going to need to do moves. You're going to need to play. I mean, you just got to build this around him, man. I still think, and you're way smarter about basketball than I am, but I will end it with this. Like, I still think in my heart of hearts, the single hardest thing, it's like the quarterback in the NFL. The single hardest thing to do in the NBA is find an ant. The Wolves got lucky because it just was like, you get to pick first, right? It's not like, it's not like they, his story, the story that you're so intrigued about moving forward as a mine, as in so many other people is a lot different than Nikola Jokic's who was drafted, you know, 43rd. But I think no matter how many picks you don't have, and no matter how many front office executives want to move or whatever, all of the chaos and dysfunction this franchise has had for 34 years, I think they at least can cross off the first box. And that's, we got one of those guys. Um, but that, as it's now shown in three years, isn't enough. Mm-hmm. It, it's the hardest thing to find, but it's not even remotely enough to win you, not even a championship. You can't even win a playoff series. So congratulations to the Minnesota Timberwolves. You have crossed off the first one, but two through six, two through 10 are going to be really hard. And, you need the right people making the decisions, the right people calling out the plays, and the right people executing the offense. I think that's a good way, good place uh, to close it, Kyle, as I'm struggling to be able to talk. It's late. Um, he's Kyle Tige. Uh You can follow him on Twitter, uh, at Kyle Tige. 
Uh, he also recorded the the Flagrant Howls show uh, right after the game. I think you'd be able to find that uh, up on YouTube as well. Uh, I believe I am going to do another pod uh, tomorrow uh, off of this game uh, from the Denver perspective. And have one, uh, uh, Ryan Blackburn, one of uh, the the Denver beat writers, uh, come on the show. We'll talk about this the series a little bit from the from the Denver perspective. I'm going to keep talking about this team. Uh, as oh. frustrating as as today is and this season is kind of all feeling um this is you know this is this is part of the journey you know we i can't affect it <laughs> those of you listening to this can't affect it uh we are just uh, innocent bystanders <laughs> watching whatever the hell is going on with the minnesota timberwolves i think there's better days to come uh, but this is where they are uh, as of april 22nd they're down we're 10 weeks away from josh minot playing in summer league the offseason is going to start sooner than you know. Uh, exactly. All right. He's uh, he's Kyle Tige. Uh I'm Dane. Uh, until tomorrow with Ryan. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stop. Yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down. Yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around. Yeah.